This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. That's Billy Harner. My name is Keith Rad. Today's guest is Brooklyn Cyclones manager for the 2021 season, Ed Blankmeyer. Now, Billy, you know that we were supposed to have Ed in Brooklyn in 2020 as the short season manager coming over from St. John's. The season got canceled. However, he stayed on with the Mets and got to manage, I guess, manage, coordinate, handle the alternate site. So uh, we talked to a very uh, excited Ed Blankmeyer, but also a very uh, lonely Ed Blankmeyer, a baseballless uh, Ed Blankmeyer today, who's just so excited to get back out there for alternate site first and then a high A season. So Ed last year got sort of thrown right into it. You know, he, he decided to make the change from being a college coach to being a uh, professional baseball manager. Um, and then they took baseball away. So he was sort of a, a man without a country for a little bit, um, but then got involved here uh, in Coney Island uh, with the alternate training site. So he got some firsthand experience working with Fred Beatty and Matt Allen and Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos and, and, and those guys. Um, and this year we'll be coming back to Brooklyn and potentially getting a lot more hands-on experience with some of those guys as well. So um, Ed had a lot to say. He's been in baseball for a, a long time and uh, a great mind that is going to, uh, I think, be a guy that uh, the fans here in Brooklyn are, are really going to love. Don't forget to follow us at Amazing Starts on Twitter. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Rate, review, subscribe, retweet, like, post, share, all that fun stuff. We do that after the episode with Ed Blankmeyer. So, Ed, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you're coming back to Brooklyn for 2021, but I'm more excited to find out about your experience last year with the alternate training site. It was an odd experiment for everybody. Uh, the Mets had to set it up. Every big league team had to set it up um, to work as kind of a triple-A standby big league camp, and uh, this was your first year with the Mets organization. So uh, how was last year at the alternate site? Well, first, Keith, it was quite a year. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, when, when Major League Baseball got the okay um, to begin begin the season, obviously everybody was housed at uh, City Field. And eventually what they did was uh, they unleashed the alternate site, so to speak. Um, I came a few weeks into the alternate site experience. And I mean, it's quite an experience. Um, uh, you know, basically the coordinators and the major league staff conducted the, most of the work at City Field. And once this season actually started, you know, it took a couple of weeks before I got there. Initially, I came over to um, relieve a couple of uh, the coaches, one, one of the coaches in particular, as a coordinator, just to you know, give them a break because they were there at the inception of the uh, beginning beginning of the, the major league season, and then uh, uh, our form director let let them go, give them a break. So I I came in. I came in as a coordinator, worked with our outfielders and base runners for a couple of weeks, and if you recall, um, Gary DeSorcina and Tomas Nito uh, got the COVID. At that point, um, they summoned Kevin Bowles, our field coordinator, to make to the major leagues as their first base coach and to pick up Gary DeSosina until he could be returned back. At that point, I became the uh, coordinator of these of these uh, alternate site. Uh, you know, and it's a little interesting. Uh, you're dealing with players that are, uh, I'll use them, on call, on hold. Um, you're also dealing with some of the players that if they're not 
uh, going on a particular road trip that, we, that they'd work out there. You're dealing with some players that are rehabbing. Um, so uh, it was kind of a, 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 I'll call it a cycle of events. Uh, we played on a daily basis to keep the guys, get the guys to work, prepare the pitches if needed, and certainly have the position players uh, get the necessary at-bats they needed to go on. What was the difficulty? Well, we didn't have two full squads. That's that's extremely difficult. And, you know, quite frankly, when you play the same and see the same faces every day, uh, it, it became quite boring. Uh, it was punishing at times for some of the guys, but they handled it professionally. They worked real hard. One of the things I liked in particular, and that's when I came, when I when I arrived at the alternate site sometime in mid-July, uh, they brought some of the prospects in, you know, uh, as, 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 as was mentioned, um, you know, uh, Francisco Alvarez came in, Mark Vientos, Brett Beatty, Matt Allen, uh, uh, Ronnie Mauricio. So we had a chance to get these young men a little bit of a, a sampling of what AAA, 4A type of players, major league players were all about. And they got a chance to, um, you know, discuss, talk to them, learn from them, get a feel what that whole atmosphere is, is, is like. And right now, I know some, most of those guys are experiencing it right now in, in, in regular major leagues camp. Uh, so I, uh, I enjoyed the experience of coordinating it, running it. Um, uh, I got to meet a lot of the players that are currently there in the system, not just the young prospects, but also the older guys. And um, it, it was a lot of fun, but it was it was grueling at times. That's about the best way to describe it. It's always nice to see the other color uniform, um, not seeing the same guy, the same picture, and it's like they know each other. Sort of like I, I, I and Billy can attest to this. I sort of like we may experience this year, you know, facing a team 24, 25 times. That's going to be interesting. So, um, but at least it's the other other uniform we're facing. Right, it's not the same person every single day, so that'll not at least the be same a nice. Person. Uh, it, that that was it, it was tough on the guys, and it's uh, you know it, the routine became tough and grueling. They got their work, and you know, uh, and I always said to them, "Listen, you're getting you're getting at bats, you're getting innings. Some guys are home, sitting at home, but they die for the opportunity that you guys have." So, um, as tough as it was, uh, I thought a lot of these guys benefited from them. Certainly, I thought the young guys really benefited from it. So you talked a little bit about the experience and it was, it was a bit of a mixed bag with, you know, some of the, the guys that were sort of on call um, in case somebody came down with uh, COVID and uh, some more experienced guys, you know, Bruce Maxwell, a guy who's been in the, in the big leagues before. And then you had guys like Brett Beatty and Mauricio that were 18 and 19 years old and guys like Jacob DeGrom coming to throw side sessions and stuff like that. So yeah. it was a mixed bag, but you know, what we're most excited about here is potentially seeing guys like Brett Beatty and Matt Allen, um, and, uh, you know, those, those type of guys potentially play here in Brooklyn in games against other teams, against real people this year. Um, so, you know, what was your experience like with them and your takeaway in terms of the type of you know, players they uh, are? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, the, the young men you mentioned, uh, I, I think, are, are definite major leaguers in my book. You know, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed, the healthy and all that type of thing. Um, had an opportunity, obviously, to work in the alternate site, but also went for instructional ball. And instructional ball this year was was quite different than it typically is. Instructional ball is, is more of a development uh, situation where you get a chance to be on hands, 
work with them and not necessarily emphasize play. This year, it was play because the young men haven't played. So we had we had an orange and blue game going on uh, until the COVID hit us. Uh, but uh, uh, first with Francisco, uh, he is um, he's a real tough, hard-nosed, hard-working young man. At the alternate site every day, Chad Cruda was working with him. I know Bob Natal is working with him quite a bit. He is a, a true prospect. Um, he's got power. He's got an outstanding arm. Uh, he's physically gifted. Uh, and I, I, you know, he's, I, I'd love to have him at the, at our site uh, uh, come uh, May 4th. Uh, but he has all the tools to be a outstanding major league catcher. Um, the other guy that was at the, and, and the other guy was at the alternate site was also at, um, uh, at the instructs was obviously Brett Beatty, another, another one, uh, one of our first rounders. And uh, Brett, um, he's, what I'm most impressed with Brett is how physically he's changed his body, how athletic he has gotten. Um, everybody knows about his power. He has power to all fields. He has, uh, he has big time power. He kind of reminds me of Jim Tomey. That's my kind of comp form. Uh, but he's his defending of the field and his athletic running and movement has really, really excited me. So I think this really the sky's the limit uh, for Brett. Um, Matt Allen, um, Matt Allen's got a big arm. Uh, ironically, <laughs> even at uh, our alternate site, he sat for a little while with um, with Rick Porcello talking about the changeup. And even during the course of his work and in the alternate site, he's really developed a nice changeup. So he's got a power breaking ball. He's got a, he's got a 96, 98 mile an hour fastball. And he's got a making of a, 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 a an out changeup, which, uh, and again, a quality young man, really astute, a bright, hardworking guy. Um, uh, and uh, two more guys I'll talk about quickly. And again, having both all these guys at the alternate site as well as um, at Instructs. Um, Mark Fientos. And again, to me, uh, Mark's stay at the alternate site got cut short. He got hit with a thrown ball, cut him cut above his eye. But thank God it was nothing but just, just some basic stitches. Uh, I think he is going to be an outstanding major league hitter. Uh, he has tremendous bat to ball skills. He can drive the ball to the offside. Um, and athletically, again, he understands what he has to do athletically. He's, he's really, really worked hard. And uh, we, Mark and I stay in contact and I kind of kid him. He's a grinder and I want him to be a grinder. He, he's, he's, he's figured out how to hit and he's figured out what he needs to do to improve defensively. And I know uh, Tuff's been working on with him quite a bit, uh, him as well as Ronnie Mauricio and uh, Brett Beatty. And the last guy, uh, I think the sky's the limit for Ronnie Mauricio. Um, I always say baseball has its time frame. I don't know when it's going to be, but I think this guy could be something special in the big leagues. He looks like a prayer mantis. He's got long arms, long legs. Uh, he's loose. He's got extreme power when he gets to the ball. Um, uh, he's, he's athletic. You know, if his body fills out the right way, I think he's going to be a special player. You know, I have to commend the, the scouting department uh, on, on, on these guys because I think they're all major league talents. 
and I think they could be special players in the major leagues. And for you, you, you know, you go two decades at St. John's and you're dealing with college guys for your entire coaching life, basically. And to be thrown into you're supposed to co- coach a short season, just kind of get into it for the first time, all of a sudden you're coaching professionals. So I know this, it's a, a bit of a loaded question to ask you how it is to deal with all these uh, guys with different experience. But what is it like to coach professionals as opposed to college guys? You know, Professionals, I think the the difficulty, but to me, it's about relationships and getting to know them. But you're dealing with a different level of player, you know, dealing with a triple A, 4A guy that's been around for five, six, seven, eight years in the minor leagues. It's it's different than talking to uh, the young guys who just started like uh, Mauricio and and Beatty and these guys. Okay. the younger, the older guys are more established. Uh, they they can feel you out pretty good, but once you get to know them, and and once you get you get to understand how what they how they tick, um, you know they're always looking to get better. Uh, so if you have something to help them get better, they're all eyes and ears. Our objective here with all these players is uh, you know we want them to develop to the best of their ability. You know, I like to say every every guy we touch and every guy in the organization is going to play in the big leagues, but that's a, that's a dream. But you never know what you can do for them as far as their development. And and um, whether it's a college kid, and most of the kids that I've dealt with, it's you're dealing with kids that are 17, 18. And even with, with COVID, these guys in college are 23, 24 now, some of them, because of the COVID and what the NCAA has allowed them to do. So And, and that's the thrust where most of my guys are. So I'm used to dealing with guys – in that age, age range. And it's to me, uh, you know, it's, they're always looking, what can you do for them? You know, and that's, that's my job. My job is to get them better. And I want to know what I need to do to get them better and how to help them achieve their goals. If you, if you work in those, in, in, in that time frame or in that framework, you know, you really get, you know, you really get to know the guys and you really get them to work for you. And that's why my job is job is to, you know, develop a good product, teach them how to play, play the way we want them to play. And obviously develop them to the best of their ability to, to, to be an asset to the organization. So just for you personally, Ed, how, how difficult has this been um, to go from where you have been playing games and coaching and being around baseball, real baseball, playing other teams for decades. And, you know, you've won countless hundreds of games and now you're going what's probably going to be about two years without, you know, playing a real game against somebody. <clears throat> How difficult has that been for you yeah. just to wrap yeah. your mind around that? You know, gosh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, I wake up in the morning and I, I have nothing to do. You know, <laughs> I, I walk around a block. I, I'm, I'm the wanderer. I think I, I, it's, you know, I'm used to a routine and baseball players are routine driven. You know, I'm used to being at the ballpark early, I'm used to getting guys to do early work, making sure they're doing their strength and conditioning. Okay. And then being on the field is what it's all about and not having that opportunity. It's, you know, from a, from a professional standpoint, at least from a college standpoint, I was in and around it all the time. I was involved with something, but professionally, you know, it's like you're, you're waiting for the call. And a lot of these, a lot of these guys, you know, 
minor league guys, let's put it to you that way, not the AAA, 4A, and the, the so-called our prospects that we discussed, but some of these other young men are sitting home like, when we going, coach? When we going? Uh, so that's kind of driving me a little crazy. And, you know, we stay in contact with the organization. has done a good job staying in contact with a lot of the players uh, under the direction of, uh, you know, Kevin Bowles. We've been trying to call them and encouraging them to finally make sure they're working out. But, um, you know, being away from the game and playing, you know, it's concerning to me because it's a development. And in, in baseball, you can practice, practice, practice. But practice doesn't come to fruition until you see how they play in a game and see how they've improved. Now we're talking about a two-year layoff from a coaching aspect. How have I improved as a coach? And as a player aspect, hmm, have they improved? And the test is going to come surely when we start playing games. So um, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I feel like I'm a... I've been a home in, a, in a, an addiction house and I'm sitting there and I, <laughs> I, I got to get out there on the field. Yeah, this, is, this has got to be the most time you spent around your wife in a while too. So uh, I'm sure she's getting ready to get you out of the house. We gotta, we gotta talk nice to them. <laughs> I think she's ready for me to get out. <laughs> yeah. We, we're all, we're all in that same boat. I think uh, but you talked about, you know, the, the, the minor league guys and losing that experience. Something that I think has sort of gone under the radar is, you know, the, the younger kids and the high school kids and the, little leagues and those guys that aren't able to play and you're losing kids, you know, at a lower level, a much lower level, that experience of them getting better, them getting coached, them falling in love with baseball and then being a part of this going forward. And as a guy that's obviously been very involved in high school baseball and college baseball and baseball and just New York everywhere. Um, how do you sort of see that playing out and, and the, the issues with that down the road? You know, I certainly a setback. It's what's disturbing to me is the, the, the high school, it's a, it's a two-year hiatus where if you were a high school junior, now you're a senior, and you didn't play baseball your junior year, and high school baseball your junior year, you had an opportunity to, to play some sort of baseball uh, in the summertime. It affects recruitment. It certainly affects the person's psyche. You know, if, if a person's not good, Everybody's going to be after, but I'm talking about that marginal guy that wants to continue his, uh, continue his career. Um, and not having a high school experience to me is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine what it, what it is for Paris, especially for, and, and, and for young, you know, young kids to be cooped up, not allowed to be going to school and not socially interacting and not playing with their friends or playing baseball with their friends. Uh, geez, I, I, I can't imagine as a parent, you know, what they're going through. Um, so um, I, I just hope these, this COVID is, they start loosening up to let these guys, let these kids go out and play. And it's about playing to me, uh, you know, when you're young and you're, you know, uh, a little leaguer, you want to go out and play. You want to socialize. You want to, you know, it's not just baseball, all the sports, play them all. Um, and in high school kids, boy, the two years of the two years that these these juniors and seniors that have experienced, I, I mean, it's I can't imagine it. It's like losing two years of your life. That's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the just the changes of the last two years, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how um, how your mind has been dealing with the changes of ownership changes, and you made a big change to come to the Mets, and then the owner changes and the GM changes, and 
what do we do now? I mean, how odd was that? And then how fruitful was that to, you know, remain in good graces with the organization and be trusted to work at the alternate side and, and to, to, to stay? I mean, it's, it had to be yeah. kind of an odd thing. It was odd. I mean, odd. I, you know, it was a decision that I've made. Um, and I have no regrets to this day. I have no regrets about it. Um, I just wanted to have a, you know, a professional experience and, um, you know, uh, I, I know the Wilpons and they're good people and, um, uh, you know, the change, you know, it, 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 that's, that's professional baseball. You know, it's that you have to, you have to look at it from that standpoint. And if you do your job in professional baseball, there'll be another job for you. I'm, I'm not, I'm, so I'm not worried about my job. I'm worried about doing my job so that, you know, the players get better and we teach these guys how to play the game the right way. So I, I have no regrets, but it is, it was kind of, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. And, but, but now, like you said, you have Rick Porcello's over there talking to Matt Allen and you have Tim Tuffle in this corner. And I mean, when you're looking around and at St. John's, you were the guy that everybody was looking at. Now you have so many weapons and in the coaching world to, to go to. How cool is that? That's good. I mean, listen, uh, you know, you're only as good as your staff and, and uh, you know, the staff um, has been announced for the Cyclones, and I know Mariano Duncan, and he's a he's he's an outstanding guy. He has a great relationship with the players. He, you know, he has that major league experience. Um, uh, he's going to really help our infielders and develop our infielders. Um, uh, I know Royce. Royce has been Royce has been at Brooklyn, and I've met Royce. I know Royce. Uh, haven't worked specifically with Royce, but I know he's done an outstanding job. Um, so, and our new guy, he's a new hitting guy. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's adept at what we're looking for in regards to analytics and technology and that development, you know, nowadays with hitting, you know, you want answers and you can get that through data. Uh, and then you've got a couple of data with, with obviously drill work and, and, and their personal development. So I think we have a, a good staff. Uh, I'm excited to start working with them and to, to get going. So, um, and I'm going to rely on it because obviously uh, Royce has had experience more. They have had more experience from a standpoint of um, it's not necessarily coaching, but it's the, I'll call it the minor league daily routine that I do. Right. I created my routines uh, when I was in college. Now I, 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 I have an idea how I want to do things, but I certainly want their, their, their input as well. So we've talked to a bunch of different players um, that have, you know, uh, worked with you in the past, and they've mentioned the the impact you've had on, on their games and their career. So I always find it interesting to find out um, for yourself, you know, as, as a player, as a coach, who are some of the people that you feel have impacted the way you do things the most, and the uh, the, the type of coach that you've become over the years. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, um, I got into coaching because of my high my high school coach John Ayers. Uh, I, I, obviously everybody's dream was to play professional baseball. Um, that didn't happen. I got a chance to play and that was certainly wasn't good enough. So uh, what, what better than teaching and coaching and being involved in a game, um, California and, and uh, but my high school coach was kind of influential in me in, in, in getting into the teaching and coaching profession. Uh, and then I, uh, my, my father-in-law, who was my, my college coach, Mike Shepard, said he wanted me to be a GA. 
So I came back from California after teaching for a year or two. And that's, he was a guy that allowed me to grow as a teacher and coach. He gave me a lot of responsibility, you know, gave me the keys to the car and, you know, said, go with it. So he was very instrumental along the way. And then I've had, you know, I've, I've learned from a lot of great coaches along the way um, in the American Baseball Coaches Association. Uh, there are several guys that uh, I've been involved with that I've learned from. And you always take a piece of something from everybody. You know, I, I uh, there are other guys in the, you know, even in our, our Sandlot, the Sandlot people that I go back and um, I've learned a lot from and the scouts. So um, I, I consider myself what they call everybody's heard this term. It's a lifelong learner. I, I, I figure I learned some for everybody. And, um, you know, I, but but bottom line is you got to be comfortable in your skin and you're going to manage people and, and, and do your job based on how you how you feel so I, I tell this story from my own personal experience you know I was playing basketball in college and I got uh, stuck on a pick and roll against a guy whose name was Jameer Nelson he went on to be the player of the year and um, you know got drafted into the NBA and he made me look absolutely ridiculous so I realized at that point I was probably going to find another way to stay in sports um, down the road. So was there a moment where you were, you know, playing in, in the minors or playing professionally where you thought, all right, yeah, maybe this isn't going to be for me. And, you know, something that sticks out in your head where there was, you know, all of a sudden you're facing somebody and you realized, yeah. all right, this isn't for me. I, I got to figure out a plan B. You know, I, I was, when I went down and played pro ball, I was hurt. And physically, my arm was killing me, and I was trying to get by, trying to get by, and I just wasn't having any fun. You know, I wasn't having any fun. And then I looked around, and I said, these guys are pretty darn good. I can remember uh, playing against um, Trammell and Whitaker with the Tigers. And I was saying, these two high school guys, they're way better than me. So, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I went about it, and and, uh, you know, I, I was released and, and the Phillies wanted to pick me up. And I just just felt like somebody took the heart out of me. And I said, gee, I'm, I just don't want to put the time and effort into a, what, that, that you need to become a great player. I just looking at the guys, I, I, I thought there were guys that were way ahead of me and way better than me. Um, I lost a kind of fire. You know, some guys have made it into the big leagues that maybe weren't as talented but they had that burning desire and that belief. And I, that was what, that's the, that what drove me. That was, when I was a player, I was a good player, but I was one of those guys that I thought I was better than I really was. And I had that work ethic and I had that belief. And it was just, for some reason, I guess I'm not that good. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's time to move on. And there's some guys in the minor league ball that are great, great guys, but, uh, and they're great team guys, and they play, 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 and it's there's no no light at the end of the tunnel. So you know sometimes it's it's good to know when you have to you know pack up your bags and and move on to something else. It's funny. I was like uh, getting ready for this year and and looking up that Pulaski team you were on. I don't think anybody on that team made it all the way. Nope. <laughs> so just nope. to show you how hard it is, nope. <laughs> even if and you I was make Pro Bowl. Uh, by Art Masmanian, who was who was. Um, one of the first coaches of the Olympic team, um, 1984, I think he, would, would, I think Ron Frazier was the head, or was it Rod Data was the head coach. Um, and 
Art was a good guy, and he, he, he says, I know you're hurting. I'd love to keep you, but I got to release you. I said, that's, I understand. I understand. And I went back home. An old-timer by the name of Joe Riley, um, a Philly scout that I know a lot of the old-time scouts know in, know in the Northeast. So I mentioned, he mentioned that name, Joe Riley. He was, you know, he compared me to, to the next, you're, like, you're just like Denny Doyle. I said, Joe, I appreciate it, but I, I just had enough. I just had enough. So it is what it is. Seems like it worked out pretty well for you down the road. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, again, you know, the funny thing was, you know, you asked the question about you get into coaching, you know, what I was doing because I was hurt and I wasn't playing and I was, you know, I was doing things, working with some guys on the side. I said, hey, maybe I should do something like this, you know, so I uh, can't play. You can coach maybe. <laughs> yeah. A thousand wins later. And I think you can, you can coach pretty well. <laughs> Well, we're excited to have him at uh, in Brooklyn in 2021. He's got the full staff. He's got the, we've got that first opening day date. Let's hope we keep it. Let's hope everybody gets down to Florida and we we get started off on the right foot. But uh, you know, you'll you'll be working at the alternate site again, so we'll see you here. But uh, and thanks so much, and we're looking forward to hopefully playing somebody else in another jersey soon. Ah, uh, boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. If not, you guys are gonna have to dress up in another uniform because <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs>